The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. Other people make friends. I'm just trying to make a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me, 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me at Jim Kramer. If you're so sure the dumb market's going lower, why not sell everything? And that's a question I've been getting constantly ever since I started telling people I really don't care for the market right now, both for the show and, more importantly, for the CBC Investing Club. I especially hear it on days, well, down days like today. Dow dipping 102 points, S&P declined 0.52%, and the Nasdaq lost 1.21%. See, I heard it on the factory floor last night at Ford. I can understand the concern. I mean, how the heck can I say I like a bunch of stocks yet don't want to buy them as they go down? How can I tell you a company's terrific yet warn you against buying the stock right here, the red hot minute? These are actually very good questions. And that's why tonight I want to explain why I recommend sitting on your hands right now. Even as I understand the compulsion to do something, anything, at times like these, when we watch the stocks with so many good companies go down, and some with real velocity. First, given that I've been negative for a couple of weeks, I can tell you that we did sell some stocks for the Chapel Trust last week, trimming positions in one of my faves, Palo Alto, well, actually all of them, Costco, Lindy, because we thought we were being greedy. In late May and early June, even before we really started to worry about the market, we sold some Lily, AMD, Meta Platforms. We told investing club members that bulls make money, bears make money, but hogs, they get slaughtered. I realized when I mentioned that aphorism that it's been ages since I'd driven home that point. It's okay to be a bull and make a lot of money owning stocks. It's okay to be a bear and make a lot of money shorting stocks. But it's not okay to let your winning positions ride without ever taking anything off the table. Sometimes you have to make a judgment call. And you have to, yes, indeed, bring the register. Now, I know this is tough. It's tough stuff. But the trust had made a great deal of money in these stocks. AMD had been a huge multi-year winner. It's up 92% year-to-date when we started to trend the position. We're up more than 86% on the Costco we sold. We had a nearly 80% gain for some of those Lily lots. I mean, these are piggish prices, people. It would have been pure greed not to take something off the table. Candidly, though, I don't usually or like looking at my cost bases or the average price you pay for your position. I don't want to be influenced by where a stock came from. I only care about and focus on where it might be going. This discipline, and it is a discipline, keeps me from saying about a stock that I bought, say, that went down and then came back again, Lord, I just got back to even. So let's sell, 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 sell. A common mistake many of you make, because it doesn't really matter where you bought the stock. What matters is how the company's doing and where the stock's going. I don't want that price impacting my judgment in any way if I could avoid it. And that's why I used to white out the cost basis of my stocks when I used to use white out. Uh, when I, that's when I used to be a hedge fund manager. I used to go down my stocks three times a day, and I never went to hear where I bought it from. I've gotten increasingly wary of how far those, some of these stocks have rallied. The moves were relentless. They've been relentless. At the same time, I felt the decline in the volatility index, also known as the fear gauge, or VIX, was demonstrating a high level of complacency among investors. 
I also didn't care for the setup. With all these Fed officials running around saying different things this week, often contrary to what Fed Chief Jay Powell might say, including today when he spoke at the House of Representatives or tomorrow when he speaks to the Senate. You tend not to make a lot of money when these Fed heads are running all over the place speaking different points of view. And in a market that's already run up huge, I knew that was bad for business. Told you so many times. When I saw that the setup looked like the market would be weak, and when I checked in with the legendary Larry Williams, who helps the show a great deal, who agreed that we were in a weaker part of a long-term bull market, I figured let's take some profits for the trust. Only after we sold those stocks did I look at how much we've made. And I just intuited it was time to take something off the table. That's the phrase I want you to introduce, to introduce you to tonight. It's okay to take something off the table after a big run. Something off the table. You don't sell everything unless there's something fundamentally wrong with the, with the company or the entire economy right now. And neither is the case. AMD had just been telling us how it could play a role in the artificial intelligence world. That moved the stock up. Costco just delivered one more great quarter. So nothing's wrong. But I figured that if we took something off the table, if we raised some cash, then we'd be in good shape if the market sells off like I expected it to. That way, the trust would have fresh ammo to buy our favorite stocks at new, lower, better levels. Now, we've had three days of a sell-off, and I'm no longer feeling piggish because we sold some stock for the trust. I think we're currently in no man's land, though. Not high enough to justify making more sales, but certainly not low enough to justify buying anything because I want to wait for a better opportunity. And we can wait. No, there's no clock on us. What makes me so sure we aren't low enough yet? Because the market edge oscillator I follow, one we've arranged for a special deal for investing club members, is still slightly overbought. And I'm in no hurry to take that newly raised cash off the sidelines until we actually get oversold. I know from consulting with Larry Williams and from talking to Mark Sebastian, our resident VIX expert, that Wall Street seems a tad too complacent right now. I feel it. Maybe you do. Plus, I lack a catalyst for any of the stocks we're looking to buy for the trust. Case in point, the one I most want to buy is GE Healthcare. I like the stock very much. The trust owns it because we understand that there's intense demand for the diagnostic machines. Think MRIs. I know we don't own enough GE Healthcare, though. We want to be bigger. Our position is too small. But you know what? You can't just say, aha, you know what? We should buy some right here, right now, because the market's weak and the stock isn't really running. Let's make the position bigger. That's Bush League thinking. You don't wake up one day and say, hmm, let's buy some GE Healthcare. No, you either need a catalyst, something that could happen that's positive, or you need a bigger sell-off that gives you a much better price to buy. And we don't have anything like either right now. Finally, let's look at the elephants in the room, the magnificent seven, Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Meta, Microsoft, NVIDIA, and Tesla. These are all market leaders, and that's why we've created the CBC Magnificent 7 Index to monitor them. Unfortunately, reality is playing out like the movie, because for several days, all but NVIDIA and Tesla have been rolling over. Today was the first day they got to NVIDIA sell, and Tesla. Sell, 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 they sell, got sell. to them. The whole team went down. In all my years of trading, I know that you don't just get one day of selling for these kinds of leaders. History says you get a few days of selling, and during that time, there'll be a sense by many people that will come on TV that they're finally done and over, stick a fork in them. I don't think so, but that's what you'll hear. So if you made some sales, like I told you to, you don't need to be eager to put that money back to work. You can watch the leaders roll over for a few more days and not just furiously start swinging at every pitch. Right now, you can afford to keep your bat on the shoulder. Maybe lower, you can't. Maybe that's when we have to buy. Bottom line, I just told you what we're doing for the trust. Waiting. It's often the hardest thing to do. But many times, the hardest thing to do is also the best way to make a lot of money. Joe in Connecticut. Joe. Hey, Jim. Booyah from Cromwell, Connecticut. 
fantastic. Um, hey, I uh, recently sold Wendy's because of insider selling. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Geez, I, t- I tell you the truth, I, I kind of like Wendy's. Got a good yield. It's doing pretty well. I think it's the cheapest of the of the fast guys. Um, you don't have to buy it back, but I'm a, I'm very pro Wendy's. David in New York, David. Hey Jim, I was going to talk about uh, Sam Adams. Hmm. Jeez, uh, that's been a tough, tough stock. They've been missing the quarter, missing the quarter, missing the quarter, and then missing the quarter. Now maybe this will be the moment when you're they won't miss the quarter. But next week, Constellation Brands reports, and I think Constellation Brands is a little more interesting. A lot of the analysts like it, but remember they've also been a beneficiary of some stuff that's involving politics, involving beers, and I'll leave it at that. How about Alyssa in New Hampshire, Alyssa? Hey, Jim. Booyah. Booyah, Alyssa. I have a question regarding Oracle for you. Ooh, yeah. So I bought it at 39 several years ago, and I'm wondering, should I continue to hold it, or is it time to cash it in? We've got cross-disciplines going here, Alyssa. On the one hand, I want you to take out your cost basis. That way you can never lose any money. On the other hand, i got to tell you, Oracle on the fundamental basis, I actually am debating whether to put it in the bullpen for the uh, Chapel Trust. That's how good that quarter was. So let's make sure we can't lose any money, but understand Oracle is doing incredibly well. Cross-disciplines. Edmund in North Carolina. Edmund. Good evening, Mr. Kramer, long-time listener and follower. Excellent. My question is about Shopify. Sure. I have a rather large holding in it, and for the past couple of months, I have been slowly converting into cash in my accounts. Some of the stocks are sold out completely, while with Shop and a few others, I have sold a couple hundred shares at a time, and every time, Shop went back up. Now, that doesn't bother me. I think you can make two mistakes, critical mistakes. One is selling too soon. Mm-hmm. One is holding too long. Right. Of the two, I'd rather sell too soon. Well, I think that's right. Now, the problem with Shopify in selling that one is it's doing incredibly well. But you have made good gains. I think you've done the right thing. You've scaled out of some stock. That's exactly what I advise. That's what I'm doing at the top of the show tonight. So I think you've done well, and I thank you for the call. Now, listen, if you're having trouble deciding what to do next in this market, maybe the best thing you can do is wait. Hey, Jay Powell's doing that with the Fed. Now, it might not be easy, but it could make you a lot of money in the long run. Well, man, money tonight, Zscaler has seen the stock soar after pre-announcement last month. So what is behind the strength? And can it continue as other small enterprise software stocks seem to be starting to think decline? I'm Jay with the CEO. Then you called and asked me about Barra Mobility, and I was intrigued by the story, but wasn't too familiar with it. So tonight we invited the CEO to tell us more about the company and where it could be headed. And yesterday on our visit out to the Ford campus in Michigan, we had a chance to speak with the CEO of Team Rubicon to learn more about how this veteran-led humanitarian organization is poised to benefit from a big $5.8 million investment from Ford's philanthropic arm. Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. 
With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere, you can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Last week, I got a question from Chad in Virginia about Veramobility. It's a company that makes technology for the transportation industry, think tolling management solutions for fleets and car rental companies, or helping local governments manage traffic, including on the law enforcement side. I told Chad it seemed intriguing, but because I wasn't familiar with the business, I needed to do some homework, especially since Ferris stocks had very big runs, up more than 38% for the year, currently sitting at an all-time high. I also invited managers to come on the show and tell their story. Well, sure enough, I'm happy to say they accept the invitation. So let's take a closer look with David Roberts. He's the president and CEO of Vera Mobility. Learn more about his company and, of course, its red-hot stock. Mr. Roberts, welcome to Man Money. Uh, thank you for having me. Well, first, David, I was just thrilled you watched the show. Obviously, our viewer was very in- intent on his question. I felt the same way. I think that you have this kind of great mosaic of businesses that are very recurring in revenue. Maybe you could share with our audience what Vera's been up to. Yeah, happy, happy to do so. Uh, so we are a leader in smart transportation, and we serve multiple customer segments. Um, if you look, we work with commercial fleets to help them handle access to things like toll roads and process violations, and even register their vehicles with uh, the local DMVs. And we do that around the world. Um, we also are the number one provider of automated enforcement. So we work with local municipalities around the world on their safety initiatives, uh, including uh, right there in New York City. And then we also work with universities around parking and parking management, helping students and professors and, and visitors have access to things on campus uh, to be able to pay for those and manage all the infrastructure in between. Now, on tolling, uh, obviously, Avis and Hertz are customers. Now, these are fabulous customers. So when I rent a car and I uh, pass through tolls, would I have contact with Vera and would I know it? Uh, you would, but you would definitely not know it. So everything related to 
uh, everything that happens related to a rental car tolling experience is effectively outsourced to us. Uh, so everything from that box being up in the window to when you run through the toll gantry and we charge your credit card for the toll and we pay the toll authority on your behalf, we make sure that it gets on your bill at the end. If you have problems, you talk to our call center. Uh, we support the website. It's all outsourced to bear mobility. Okay, when I look at what people, the analysts are saying, unfortunately not that many of us cover you, they seem to think that you do not have a large uh, total addressable market. I read it the other way. When you get into a Florida or you get into a New York, I mean, those are thought leader states. I would have to believe that around the country, there could be a lot of money saved for taxpayers if they hired or outsourced it to Vera. I to- totally agree. I mean, we were really excited just a couple of weeks ago to open up new legislation uh, within the state of Florida for uh, school zone speed cameras, which is a very purpose-built enforcement that protects kids and asks people to go slower in school zones, which seems a, a reasonable proposition. And that really opens up a large aperture for us. We've been operating in Florida for over a decade now, uh, and that's something like a $50, $60 million total available market for us. And so for us and our business, that's fantastic. So I, I would certainly disagree with the analysts on that call. Yeah, I mean, I, can you name an instance where safety legislation was ever rolled back? Yeah, I think earlier in the early days of the market where red light camera was kind of the, the real enforcement mode at the time. And there were probably instances many, many years ago where there were a lot put in and there wasn't seemed to be a clear reason. But we in the industry have shifted to what we call purpose-built, which is, hey, we want to protect a very specific type of asset. So kids in school zones, kids on school buses. And so those are really where the, it has trended. But in the, in the past, places like um, uh, Texas had legislation that got rid of enforcement. That was probably four or five years ago now. But really what we've seen, we've opened up more legislation in the last two years than we have in the history or since I've been at the company, which is almost nine years. Well, that makes sense to me. Uh, It's human life we're talking about. Now, universities, uh, they're all fighting to make it so that one day we won't get to 100,000 a year. And they're finding that the 79, 80,000 level, which I think is unbelievable, is kind of a line in the sand. How do you help a university maybe save some money? Well, the way we do that is we probably just make them more efficient. So when you think about all of the unique parking instances that happen on a standard university campus where uh, you've got students, you've got faculty, you've got administrators, you've got visitors coming in, that creates an enormous amount of congestion and challenges. And so by working with Vera Mobility and our subsidiary, which is called T2 Systems, we give them sort of a, a one-stop shop to not only manage the assets, but we also put in the hardware. We can collect payment via mobile device. So we kind of give them that one-stop shop, which that makes them much more efficient and then ultimately creates a better Parker experience. All right. Now, David, uh, you do have a billion, a little bit more than a billion dollars in debt, but you have about $200 million you're taking in cash flow. Uh, do I have to worry that you need to do an equity offering? You bought back a lot of stock at great prices. Is that something you could do up here and then maybe pay down some debt, or is that not your 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 scene? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, we we have historically operated the business at about a three and a half times leverage, given the the overall cash flow uh, generation capabilities of the company. In the most recent, you know, sort of in the last twelve months, we've redefined that through a three times leverage, but. We'll be at three, t- assuming no stock buyback or no acquisition, we'll be below that by the end of the year, as we've, uh, we've talked about that publicly. And so I think we, we sit at a very good place. Um, we're, we're capital distributors, but so we're always going to look for the best opportunity for shareholders. Uh, if that's a share buyback, if that's paying down debt, 
We've done all of those things in the last two years where we bought companies, paid down debt, and repurchased shares. All right, so if you paid down more debt and you saw still one more uh, kind of uh, telematics vertical, let's call it that. Would you snap uh, snap up when you can? Because I really love the mosaic. And if you can kind of own this space, I had Wex on, for instance. They did this with their large company because they kept buying. They, I mean, I couldn't believe the size of billion, multi-billion dollars. Could that happen to very, you think? Absolutely. I mean, we look across all the segments and we play, we, we operate on the world. We operate in 17 countries around the world. And we look at how do we use our balance sheet in the best, most responsible way to increase shareholder value? And there are plenty of targets available. And the reality is because of the cash flow dynamics of our business, even in this sort of unique market circumstance where the cost of capital has gone up, we can still be a preferred buyer because of our ability to pay down debt so quickly. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm kind of really interested in your company. Is Chad's right. I mean, this is the kind of company I love to bring attention to and make money because you can go on for one and then, then what will happen, your size will get bigger, the more analysts will come in, you'll have, you'll have a, a stock that's, that you can use as a currency and you can kind of roll up this whole industry and do a great job. So I'm really glad you came on, David. It's really great to meet you. It's David Roberts, the president and CEO of Vara Mobility. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, man, money back at you. Coming up, spotty cybersecurity could rock your world. IRL. But Kramer's got you covered from A to Z Scaler. Next. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. complain this is a narrow market led by a relatively small number of tech stocks. But let's not forget that many of these tech stocks have done incredibly well. Take Zscaler. It's the cloud-focused cybersecurity software outlet that we've liked for a long time. At a time when many of the smaller enterprise software companies have started to stumble, blaming broader economic weakness for their troubles, Zscaler pre-announced a magnificent set of numbers in early May, while also raising its full-year forecast and it did it so substantially. When the company reported its full quarterly results three weeks ago, the numbers beat even the already raised expectations, and they raised the full-year forecast yet again. In short, the business is on fire. And that's why Zscaler stock has surged more than 60% since that pre-announcement, less than just two months ago. It's why we need to figure out how they're pulling this off. So let's check in with Jay Chaudhry. He's the co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Zscaler, fresh off his company's annual user conference in Vegas last week. Mr. Chaudhry, welcome back to Bad Money. James, appreciate the opportunity. It's great to be back. 
Okay, so Jay, tell me, there are so many companies that are struggling. We hear so many companies in tech say, you know what, it's elongated, we gotta go through a lot of different people. I don't hear that from Zscaler, why? Well, we built a very clean architecture to take companies from old school technology to zero trust architecture. Every company needs better cybersecurity. Every company needs to save money. Zscaler does both of those things. Now, when I look in your excellent deck, it talks about displacing what seems like is more expensive, but still legacy software. So there's a good ROI for anybody who brings you in and it's safer. It does. So even if you offer good cyber, if you don't have good ROI, you don't have good savings, project gets stalled. Right. So Zscaler removes a lots of point products. It's a platform. It basically combines them, eliminates them. That's why CIOs and CISOs both like us. It's not just a CISO play. It's a CISO and CIO play. Okay, so we always thought that firewalls were the way to stop things, VPN protect us. That's no longer the case. That's correct. Firewalls and VPNs are becoming like mainframes. Okay. Ooh. They'll play a role for a while. Right. But in this new world of cloud and mobility, you don't need a firewall. You need a switchboard, a switchboard that connects the right party to right party. And that's what Zscaler does. Right, now, Jay, when I read your stuff, I, I, I read about the CXO. I had to keep looking back. That's the chief experience officer. Why does a chief experience officer matter in this? And who are those people? And where do they report to? And why do they make such important decisions for you? So CXO, the way we use it, is for CIO, CTO, and CISO, all three of them together. They are all involved. In fact, chief experience officer is actually becoming very prominent because user experience matters. If users are unhappy, nobody is happy. So our technology makes users happy, makes CISO happy for security, makes CFO and CIO happy for lower budgets. So we are really good for all C-level leaders. Okay, now maybe not so much CXO, but the government, maybe government, I don't know. But you got this, uh, achieved this Fed ramp authorization. Yeah. Clearly a boon for your company. It is, it's very good. It takes a long time to go through Fed ramp certification. We spent five plus years to do so. But now about 13 of the 15 cabinet level agencies are our customers. Now they all start small, but now they're expanding and growing. It's helping us, but I'm not really just happy about the business. I'm actually more excited about the national security. At the end of the day, our okay. national security matters, and the so federal so government security is fundamental to us. Okay, so let me ask you. Uh, we've had Palo Alto on a number of times. Uh, they are doing quite well. You are doing quite well. I'm sure that sometimes you go head-to-head. -head. Is there room for both companies? Of course. There's plenty of opportunities. Okay. They got one focus area, we got a different focus area. Okay. We were designed for zero trust architecture. They're designed to protect servers with firewalls and the like technology. But they, as well as you, use artificial intelligence, which is yes. key. Both of you use it for a lot longer than a lot of the other companies are now yep. jumping into the fray. Mm -hmm. So artificial intelligence must be used by every company. Right. Companies who don't use AI will wither away. But what's the most important piece for AI is the data, the logs. We, as a zero trust architecture at Zscaler, have better logs than any other security company out there. Okay. These logs tell who talks to who. This allows us to figure out any reconnaissance activity the bad guys do. It starts with reconnaissance, then they get in, and then do ransom and the like. 
That's where we are better than any other company out there. Okay, now you do federal work. I know our president has been saying that there has been spying by the Chinese on us. I have to believe that it's not uh, the tri- typical, like, uh, you know, James Bond spying. It's got to be in your world. Are you catching them doing this stuff? We are seeing heightened reconnaissance activity, especially by China and Russia. You are seeing? Absolutely. So when the president calls out China, there's justification for it. Reconnaissance is happening all the time. The question is, where do they go next? Everything starts with reconnaissance. And our, our, many of the agencies, they're doing a good job, actually. Our country is stepping up. They need to step up more. But should we be saying, look, here's 10 instances that, we have, that Zscaler has found that tells it, without giving the exact information, sure. that shows you how obvious this is. Stop it. You're leaving a trail. It's not just the sky balloon. Every country does reconnaissance. It starts from all sides. Okay. okay. Uh, and then one last thing, you had your uh, great Zenith Live. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the experience like, and can business continue, judging from what that trade conference yeah. was like? We had a large number of CIOs and CISOs getting on stage talking about how wonderful their transformation journey is, their customers, such as CarMax CIO, who talked about how CarMax? Yes. Yeah, they're, they report this week. They're smart guys. They transform the business. It's all digital business. And there are many other large companies who really spoke about their journey because other leaders want to learn from them and go through the same type of journey as well. I understand, and I've been recommending you and also Palo Alto because I think they do an excellent job. The cash reward, pretty good. All right, that's Jay Chaudhry. He's the CEO, chairman, founder of Zscaler, which has been a remarkable company and a remarkable stock. Man, money's back in. Coming up. Nonprofit Team Rubicon provides disaster relief worldwide. Can a partnership with Ford take them to the next level? They bring innovation, they bring cultural alignment, they bring a presence across the country. Stick with Kramer. visiting Ford in Dearborn, Michigan yesterday, you may have missed that Ford and its philanthropic arm announced a major charitable commitment. They're making a $5.8 million investment in an alpha called Team Rubicon. Now, this is a veteran-led humanitarian organization that serves communities hit by natural disasters and other major crises. Ford's investment includes a $2.5 million contribution to Team Rubicon's Ready Reserve Fund, which pays for the organization's trips to communities impacted by disasters, as well as a donation of 17 vehicles, F-150s, electric F-150 Lightnings, plus a couple of Super Duties and Broncos. Yesterday, in between our discussions with Ford's management, our funnel and test track, and our tour of Ford's production facility, we got a chance to talk about the impact of this charitable investment with Team Rubicon CEO Art Delacruz. Take a look at this. Mr. Delacruz, welcome to Mad Money. Thanks for having me. It's great that you're here. I want you to talk about the exciting news you just had with Ford. This partnership's been going for a while, but some really terrific things in the Team Rubicon powered by Ford just announced. Why don't you tell us what it'll mean for your organization? Yeah, it's an amazing partnership that's going to be an enabler for our 170,000 veterans and first responders that make up our volunteer corps. Ford and the Ford Fund has you know, donated 17 vehicles and $2.5 million in philanthropy that are going to allow our volunteers to get to communities across the country for years to come 
that are impacted by disasters, and it'll allow us to help them on their worst day. And I imagine when you've been in these, it's good to have power, and it's good to be able to, to make things that are work that are electric, and that's something that will be provided with these vehicles. Yeah, I think that's one of the unique things. It's, it's not about you know, delivering a pickup truck, it's about really kind of delivering a base of operations. You know, as you're powering your set here, we'll do the same thing where we'll take trucks that have you know, pro power on board, essentially a generator on wheels, right. and communities that are disconnected from the grid by hurricanes or tornadoes, we'll be able to connect them, we'll be able to connect our volunteers, we'll power tools, so all sorts of enablers beyond you know, this incredible machine on four wheels that will allow our volunteers yeah. to serve. There was a 13-part series at uh, Roku about you guys, and it looks like that, look, the people come in and they do good things immediately, but then they have to go out. It seems like you guys have a, have a, a a problem with that, that you like to stay in there until the problem's fixed. Yeah, the reality is, you know, disasters take a long time to recover. We actually had the Ford and Team Rubicon teams in Houston and Detroit. In Detroit, those homes had been flooded two years ago. The home that they're working on in Houston was, was flooded by Hurricane Harvey in 2017. So it takes a long time and it takes investment, vision, and commitment to put these lives back together. Well, and I we hear uh, investment, commitment, I think vets and you guys are a vet organization. How about you? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a military veteran. You know, I spent 22 years in the Navy. The country made an incredible investment in me, is my belief, just like all my colleagues, you know, that joined me. And uh, being able to serve communities after disasters is another way to continue to, to serve and, you know, pay back the nation, you know, for the training I received. Well, look, I got to tell you, I mean, I think people are watching and they're just thinking, that it is just great service that you do, and especially they need to know that you are not going into areas that have all the services. You are dealing with people in underprivileged areas to begin with who are underserved and unhelped. Yeah, that's our, our priority is to find those who need, need the help the most. So we'll look at things like the social vulnerability index. We'll help the people that are uninsured. We've actually had 74 operations this year already. Over 80% are uninsured and another 12% are uninsured. So it's people who have no other recourse except volunteers who give their time, energy, and you know, partnerships like this with Ford that allow us to serve them. So what do you think will happen? You'll take the vehicles and you'll go be able to maybe get to more places than you would otherwise build, rebuild some homes otherwise, otherwise wouldn't be built? Yeah, I think these trucks will enable us and the Broncos, which are made in this, right. this amazing yeah. plant. I think our ability to take these you know, throughout the country before, during, and after disasters is the real key to this partnership. It'll help us train people when a disaster strikes. It'll help us get people and equipment into the field. And afterwards, as you mentioned, you know, these trucks will be powering tools that are going to put houses right. back together. So you know, if we do it right, that investment really pays off because families are back in their homes. And for years to come, they feel safe and secure. Yeah, so people watch you, Martin, they're saying, I bet you he could have done anything. I mean, you were a pilot, right? You had your choice of a Top Gun pilot. You could have done anything you wanted. What made you do join Team Rubicon? I'll tell you what. Um, I think it's about continuing to serve. And I'll tell you, in an organization like this where you can have purpose, a mission, you know, you're surrounded by colleagues, and I'll call them a community. And it's just, I think it's who I am. And it's really, I love being around people of like mind and people who can recognize that there's a lot to do in this world to make it a better place. How did you guys get affiliated with Ford, that Ford knew how good you were? Yeah, I think Ford, uh, to be honest, I think 
Ford uh, identified us as a partner and we identified them as a partner, I like to think we pursued them sure. you know, as much as us because, again, they bring innovation, they bring cultural alignment, they bring a presence across the country and an incredible long, steeped history in being a part of the community and serving. You know, I think a lot of companies do great things and have an agenda which is not for a particular issue, it's just to help people. And when I listen to what you're talking about and what Ford's doing, makes me feel better. You know, we're in a country that's kind of a little paralyzed and angry. I don't see anything. I'm trying to figure out, okay, what is Team Rubicon doing wrong? Anybody could be bad about it. If someone's angry with Team Rubicon, maybe they have issues. Yeah, you know, we like to say that, you know, people treated each other the way they do after a disaster when it's literally on all hands on deck. I don't care where you came from, your history. Let's just help one another. What's unique about these partnerships and this commitment is it's happening before that disaster. We're building a winning team that will be ready to win the game, you know, when, when they blow the whistle. So when I see these disasters, unfortunately, horrible disasters on TV, should I look, be looking for you and a Team Rubicon Ford in the background? Oh, I'll do everything I can to be behind the wheel or in one of these seats, uh, wherever that disaster might be. But, you know, my hope is across the country you'll see, you know, these unique an incredible, you know, operating basis on wheels uh, that'll be there ensuring that, you know, people who have a commitment to service will be there helping people on their work. I day. bet you inspire people. Even just one person, but you'll do a lot more than that. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Thank you to Art Delacruz. He is the CEO of Team Rubicon. Mad Money's back after the break. Coming up, what's in your mind, America? Give us a call. The lightning round is storming the NYSE. Next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski deck over the lightning round. Clear my show with Bob in Ohio. Bob. Hi, Jim. Um, hey, question for you on a former employer of BWXT, BWX Technology. I am incredibly intrigued by that company because I like the nuclear business. I wish they would come on the show, and I will do more homework for you because I've been looking for a way to do nuke, and that may be the way to go. Let's go to Mitchell in Texas. Mitchell. Yo, Kramer. Big Yo. Shout out to you, baby. I've been watching the show and investing since I was just 16, man. Graduated college, and now I'm going into the finance world because of you, so thank you. Oh, man, I'm thrilled for you. Thank you. Thank you for pointing that out to our viewers. I love it. How can I help? Yes, sir. Hey, I know you don't like this industry, but the stock's just too cheap, man. What do we think about BTI? Look, it is a cheap stock. I'll tell you, I actually like some of the things that Phil Morris is doing, though. I think, that, I think that PM has got some good game when it comes to kind of moving off of the tobacco business. That's what I recommend. How about Nathan in Texas? Nathan. Hey, Jim Kramer. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? Pretty well. Um, how do you feel about Snapchat? No, not a fan. Just don't feel it as any game. I'm going to have to take a pass tonight. How about John in Florida? John. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. Yo, man, what's shaking? Hey, thanks for taking my call. I really of appreciate course. your show. It's great, especially your CEO interview. So fantastic. Thank you. Hey, and I'm calling you because of something I learned from you has led me to another question. So I, I learned from you that AI adoption is flipping the processor composition of data centers from 90% CPU, 10% EPU to 90% CPU, 10% uh, or 90% CPU Correct. and 10% CPU. Correct. That's a relative decline of 89% in CPUs, AMD's core strength. 
Last quarter, data center accounted for 24% of AMD's revenue. While they're working hard to catch up with NVIDIA, it's pretty clear they're a distant second. It seems unlikely NVIDIA will drop the ball in GPUs the way Intel dropped it in CPUs. True. Absent a production problem, it's hard to imagine AMD growing, much less replacing the lost CPU revenue and data centers. Well, no, it can still grow. Right. It's got a lot of good things. Plus, I think the PC cycle's bottoming out, and their data center business can get bigger, and they do have some very, very fast, good chips. It's just that the stock did have a big run. I'm not as keen on it up here. Uh, and I do think that NVIDIA has the best market. So, I mean, I think it's okay. It's just not as fabulous as the market thought it was at 120. How about we go to Georgie, Georgie in Arizona. Georgie. Hi, Jim. Thanks for improving my investing ability. Oh, good. Is, Thank you. My question is on Crown Castle, CCI. These tower, the these tower stocks, people just hate them. It doesn't seem to matter that it yields 5.5%. It's not enough. I'm not going to go reach for yield. If I do feel that the stock is not doing well, we're going to take a big pass on that one. Pam in New Jersey. Pam. Hi, Jim. I'm so glad to talk to you. Um, I just wanted to tell you, 23 years ago, when I became a stay-at-home mom, it was your program that put me on an entirely different career path. Oh, fantastic. Yes, and today I'm a Grateful Investing Club member, and I want to tell you not to forget about that very important demographic. Oh, I mean, I never, never forget it. Thank you. (laughs) Never forget it. Living through it. (laughs) Okay, listen, my stock is a leader in the genetic testing and precision medicine platform. The first quarter results showed testing volumes grew 21% with a 10% uh, sequentially. They raised their revenue guidance. They engage in a collaboration with MD Anderson. And Goldman has upgraded them to a buy from a sell, citing growth potential and outlook on gross margins in the 70% range. My stock is Myriad Genetics. Boy, they've been around for a while. You know, they're profitable. I, you know, this is just the kind of, of stock, speculative stock, I admit, that I do like very much. And I think it is a buy. And I want to thank you for those incredibly kind comments. You're terrific. You're why I do this show. Thank you for joining, being a member of the Investment Club, which means a great deal to me, as did that really nice woman I met down Stone Street today who gave me a hug. She's so happy that she's in the Investment Club. Those are the things that I live for. Let's go to William in Arizona. William. Yes, the Booyah from Sun City, Arizona. I've got Iron Mountain Incorporated. I've owned it in two of my accounts, and it's been a steady performer. It's been a terrific performer, and it never gets the love it deserves from Wall Street. I think people think it's too boring. I don't mind boring when it comes to money. Let's go to Nick in Florida. Nick. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. It's Well done. Well done. Finally in Florida, I want to give a quick shout out to Rachel, the prettiest woman in New York, who's got some medical tests, and I know she'll be fine. And a big thank you to you, Jim. I want oh, to say you. that you were a teacher for so many. It's criminal. This was never taught in school when I was a child. Well, it should be. You're absolutely right, Nick. And thank you. And I wish your friend the best of luck, too. Thank you. Yeah, you, you, your class every day I attend, and it's being taught with class. Thank you. Thank you. I want to How say my my company is in an industry that is heavily frowned upon, but it has a forward PE of 15. It has a healthy yield of five and a quarter and even benefits from a recent upgrade without any AI. What do you think of an investment in Philip Morris? 
Well, there you go. First, those comments mean a great deal to me. Second, I, obviously, people, you're not allowed to listen to the earlier part of the light round. I recommended that very stock. I think I've spent some time with the management. I think it's terrific. I wanted them on the show. I don't know what happened. They dropped the ball, not me, believe it or not. And I want very much to have PA. Those guys are smart guys and the revolution in the industry. Let's go to Terry in Washington. Terry. Youngstown State University. Booyah. There you go. Exactly. What's up? Professor Kramer, I'd like to thank you for all the information. I'm a group member, and I'm looking at Meta. What do you think, Long Term? Okay, so Meta, is, it actually fits the description of what I said at the top of the show, which is that I think that long term is great. Short term, I think, you know, we have to let it's, it's just too hot. That's what I'm doing. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up. Kramer took you deep under the hood on location with Ford. Key takeaways from Mad Money's Motor City Ride Along, next. Submit the truth. The Chinese government acts like it doesn't need us at all. Our government acts like it just doesn't want a war. So we always seem to make huge trade concessions to avoid one, even as the Biden administration has indeed cracked down on a few tech exports to China. That's not nothing. I don't know if it's far enough. Yesterday, as I surveyed what Ford CEO Jim Farley called the cradle of the Industrial Revolution, Ford Motor Company's first plan. I couldn't stop thinking about what the Chinese companies are trying to do here next. They want a market to dump their own cheaper, ever-improving electric vehicles the same way they used to dump cheap apparel, then cheap steel, and cheap manufactured goods to cut the legs out from under their American competitors. The Biden White House may be willing to block China from buying high-end semiconductors and semiconductor equipment, but I don't see why they lift a finger to prevent China from selling us ridiculously cheap electric cars because they care about climate change. According to Bill Ford, the company's executive chairman. It's just a matter of time. This is only one part of a potential onslaught because the Chinese economy is so weak and their unemployment rate is so high, especially among young people. We, on the other hand, don't try to displace China's electric vehicles. We're just grateful they let Tesla operate there at all. We accept that if you're going to do business in the PRC, you have to adopt the buy China for China mantra, the opposite of what our government asks for, which is nothing. Yesterday, President Biden accurately described President Xi as a dictator, which she calls extremely absurd and irresponsible. Are you kidding? The phrase Biden left off is for life, as in dictator for life. She acts like these comments represent a betrayal from the goodwill generated by Secretary of State Blinken's visit. I mean, that's absurd and irresponsible, too. The Chinese government insults us to our faces and tells us that Taiwan belongs to them. For most of my life, we could laugh that off because they didn't really have a navy. And, well, it wasn't strategically important. Now, though, China has the capacity to invade. And it also has much more of an incentive as Taiwan's become the semiconductor manufacturing capital of the world. On the other hand, Taiwan's a U.S. ally, which could potentially trigger World War III. But maybe they're willing to take that risk. I sure hope not. As for our government, when I hear about what Anthony Blinken wanted to get across, I get the sense that we just wanted to avoid a catastrophic confrontation. Something that seems a little out of whack with China reportedly looking to establish new military training facilities in Cuba. Something we just learned they were doing in the middle of the talks. Almost seems reminiscent of the Cuban Missile Crisis, except obviously without the news. So what should we be doing differently? Look, whether the Chinese Communist Party admits or not, their economy needs access to our markets. 
whether our government is or not for that, that measure, our government should make it clear that if they want to keep selling their stuff here, they need to give up on taking over Taiwan and change their rapacious trade policy. If they ever want to see a Chinese electric vehicle sold in this country, if they ever want to buy any important technology from us, they have to stop their belligerence. Stop challenging us militarily, these silly jousts meant to incite worse relations, even as they claim they're trying to improve relations and we're the aggressor. I'd also love it if China would stop its endless coal plant construction, which more than offsets the impact of the electric vehicle industry. Who cares if the car's electric when it effectively runs on coal anyway? I think we ask very little of China versus what they want from us. Yet somehow our desire to not have an actual hot war with them gets confused with allowing them to do whatever they want against us. We tolerate spying in Cuba by Chinese companies. We accept spy balloons. We do nothing aside from some tech bans. We need a policy of equality, not dominance. Without that, we're foolish to keep doing business with China. They get away with everything simply because our government doesn't want a nuclear war. We somehow get away with nothing. We're kidding ourselves if we think there could be a separate peace. The Chinese government acting like it wants a separate war until they change their attitude. I think our leaders should get a lot more confrontational, at least on the trade front, and make sure we don't end up appeasing them militarily, as there can be no room for compromise anymore when it comes to the independence of Taiwan. I like to say there's always a bull market summer. I promise to try to find it just for you right here at Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Disclaimer. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.